and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Good morning. How's everybody doing? There we go. Set this up. Praise the Lord. Um, so yeah, for those of you that don't know me, I'm going to back this up a little bit. My name is uh, Marcus. Uh, my beautiful wife is right there in the front. Say what's up to everybody. Say what's up. That's, they can't see that. Put it up high. Put it up high. No? Okay. First, there we go. Uh, that's my beautiful wife, Desiree, and our youngest son, Zion. Um, he is baby number four. Praise the Lord. He's the last one. Somebody said amen. <laughs> um, listen, I'm really excited to, to be with everybody this morning, and I'm excited to, to share. Um, for those of you that have heard me preach before, you're probably wondering why I'm not yelling yet. Right? You're probably like, what's going on with this man? Is he in sin? Uh, we're going to get there. Amen. Can we be, let's be patient this morning. Praise the Lord. Um, listen, I, I feel like the Lord in this... Um, in this time and in this season, he's really like solidifying who we are as a house, right? Like I really feel like he's solidifying like who we are, like what is what is a vibe, like who are we as a people, what is the Lord doing in our midst, what is he saying, what are we corporally gathering as a body and what's our focus, right? Um, so what I really feel like the Lord wants us to speak about, we've been talking about the church, we've been talking about family, we've been talking about all these things and uh, we're going into a conference about prayer. And I think it's important for us to understand before we step into that conference uh, what that means, what prayer is, what is a, a house of prayer. I want to specifically talk this morning about the house of prayer. I want to specifically talk about what is a house of prayer, um, why is there a house of prayer, what are we doing in there, why is it important, and what is the meaning of it, right? Like, we, we hear about, okay, my, we, we all know Isaiah 56, 7, my house will be called a house of prayer, and then we say amen, and then we don't pray. Can we talk, can we talk about it this morning? Uh, but the Lord is looking for a praying people. He's not just looking for a praying people. Um, he created a praying people. He created a people that would pray. Y'all got to talk to me this morning. It sounds dead in here. Praise the Lord. Um, he, he created us for prayer. Now, I want you to understand before we get into, uh, I'm going to walk through some stuff with you. But I want to define the word prayer. If I were to define the word prayer, I would say that it is um, communication, dialogue, and intimacy with the one that created us for himself. I would say that prayer is relationship. Come on, say it with me. Prayer is relationship. Come on, say it like you mean. The prayer is relationship. Praise the Lord. So this is what we're going to do. I want to walk you. I felt like the Lord was saying to sh- like, that we need to walk through the Bible. So I'm going to read every single verse. We're going to be here for like three days. Praise the Lord. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to walk you through some scriptures and some parts in the Bible. And I want us to really understand the seriousness of how long and how much the Lord has longed to have a people to himself that way he could dwell with. Amen. He has longed to create a space physically and spiritually for his people to dwell with him, to worship him, to pray to him, and to pray with him. Somebody said amen. Amen. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to walk you through the Old Testament. I'm going to give you some key places to look. So let's start with this. Let's start with the garden. Let's start in Genesis. Um, We have, listen, y'all should be proud of me. I'm not yelling yet, and I have slides. Somebody said amen. I'm maturing in the faith. Praise the Lord. No, I'm just playing. Um, I want to talk about the garden. So first and foremost, from the very beginning of time, we see that the Lord creates the garden, right? We have the Garden of Eden. We know that it's beautiful. It's paradise. It has everything that he needs. And he has created this space, right? And he has, it literally says he's walled it in with four rivers. And in this space, he's created 
a place for Adam to, number one, to tend to the land, to tend to what the Lord has given him, right? And also to walk with him. So we see in Genesis chapter 2, Adam tended to the garden, which is where God met with him. He had, he had roles and he had responsibilities. But we also see in Genesis chapter 3, where it says that he walked with them in the cool of the garden. Marcus, are you taking that out of context? No, I don't believe the first time that God walked with them was to embarrass them. Come on, see, it got quiet there. Praise you, praise you, Lord. Okay, so in Genesis 2, from the, I want you guys to see this. Like, some of you need to write this down, take pictures, look at your Bible, and actually read it. The, the Lord desired from the beginning of time, from the beginning of creation, to dwell with his people. Can somebody say amen? amen. Let's, go to, um, let's go to the tabernacle of Moses. I'm going to try to go through these quick. So this is what we see. Uh, we know the story. If you don't, I'm not going to give you a whole brief, a history of everything. So between Adam and between Moses, there's a lot that happens. Praise the Lord. Long story short, the children of Israel, they're in captivity for 400 years. God, uh, he enlists Moses. He calls Moses and he assigns them to set his people free. And this is what he says. He said, I want you to go and tell Pharaoh in uh, Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. Let my people go so that they can what? I need you to say it out loud. So that they can worship me. He said, let my people be free. Listen, they were in captivity, right? They were in captivity. They were in bondage. He said, I want my people to be free. I want you to let my people go. I want them to be free so that they can worship me. This is a, this is a, a pattern through the entire Bible. God wants us to be free to worship him. Can somebody say amen? He wants us to be free to commune with him and dine with him. I'm trying to calm down. I told our staff I'm not going to yell until like the second half, and they laughed at me. Praise the Lord. Um, we'll see if it actually happens. Let my people go so that they can worship me. So this is what happens. We know the story. We know that the, the ten plagues come, that Pharaoh lets the people go, and then he says, ha-ha, I'm going to get them from behind with the arrows. I'm going to take them down, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then we see the Red Sea, right? So God delivers them through the Red Sea. We see the manna and the quail. We see all these amazing things happen, right? So after God does all these amazing things, in Exodus chapter 19, it says this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if you look through this entire chapter, Praise the Lord. Pastor Tyler preached on this a couple of months ago. He read the whole chapter pretty much. I was like, you are a man of God. <laughs> In Exodus chapter 19, he calls his people unto himself. In Exodus chapter 19, he, he wants to go to the next part of their relationship. So you've seen me do all the miracles, all the signs. You've seen me do the wonders. You've seen me split the sea. You've seen me do all these amazing things, but now I want to enter into a deeper level of relationship with you, right? And this is what the Lord is doing to all of us. This is what I believe. We live in a culture. See, I'm about to start already, Pastor Angel. Uh, we live in a culture where we want to see the signs, the wonders, the miracles. We want to see people walk. We want to see people healed. And praise the Lord. I love all of it. I've seen it. God is good. I love when he performs miracles. But the problem is we want power without presence. Come on. And we are, oh my goodness. We are a people where unfortunately we want to see all the amazing things. We want to see all the stuff. And, but we, we, don't want, we don't want the presence of the person that we are wanting to see something from. My God. Okay. So in Exodus chapter 19, the Lord calls uh, his people unto himself. This was his desire. Uh, he said, you will be a whole, you will, golly, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So I want you to understand God's desire was for the kingdom, the entire kingdom to be priests. What was the priest? They were the ones that would come before the Lord with an offering and with prayer and with intercession. He wanted everyone to take part of this. Look at your neighbor and say, everyone. Look at the other neighbor and say, that includes you. Look back out and say, don't yell at me like that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. This is what happened. So, so 
he, uh, the Lord speaks to Moses and I want you, I want all of my people to come before me. And what happens is I want you to consecrate yourselves, take three days, do what you got to do, get your life right. I'm going to dwell, I'm going to descend on the mountain. And what happens is he says, come before the mountain, but don't go up it just yet. I'm going to show you something pretty cool. And they've seen, again, they've seen the, um, they've seen the Red Sea. They've seen the man in the quail. They've seen the 10 plagues. But then they saw the actual literal presence of the Lord fall down on a mountain. And this is what happened. Moses went up, and he's going to call them to the Lord. And they said this in Exodus 20:19. And this is where I believe many of the churches still to this day. You speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. I believe that we're living in a day and age where we would rather listen to Moses than listen to the Lord. I'm, I'm, I believe we're living in a day and age where we'd rather hear a good preacher than we would rather hear the Lord. Right? But, but this is what I've realized is that preachers can't save you. They can't. This is what I've realized that preachers fall, they fail, and they, they make mistakes, right? We're talking about the Moses that killed somebody, praise the Lord, and went and ducked out and lived in the wilderness and did all these crazy things. We're talking about the Moses that the Lord said, you can't go into the promised land. Like, we can go down, we can go down the list of your favorite preachers in the Bible, and we can talk about they mess. Somebody said amen. So the point is, what I'm saying is, does God use people? Yes. But he has called each and every single one of us to come before him and not rely on a Sunday sermon to do it. So this is the problem. They, they, the Lord is inviting them into this place, and they say, no, you go. We don't want to go lest we die. Fast forward to Exodus 25 through 27. What we see is this. Even, watch this, y'all. This is the goodness of the Lord. Even after they reject the Lord, he spends two chapters telling Moses, I want you to build me a place where I can still dwell with my people. After they said, we don't want to talk to you, Lord, he said, I'm going to build a place that I want to talk to you. We don't want to be with you, Lord, but I'm still going to build a place because I want to be with you. This is the mercy of our God. This is the love of our God. This is the power and the grace of, of our Lord is that in the midst of a people that, did, that, that rejected him, he still came before them and wanted to dwell with them. Praise the Lord. Uh, Exodus 33, 7. So this is what happened. So before the actual tabernacle of Moses is built, we have the tent of meeting, right? We have the tent. It's a small tent. It's Moses' tent. It's set outside the camp. This is what it says, Exodus 33, 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass, watch this, that everyone, look at your neighbor, say everyone. Look back, say, I heard you the first time. Everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting. So again, the Lord comes before his people. He wants to dwell with them. He wants to have relationship with them. They say no. And even before the actual tabernacle of Moses is built, he creates a small tent in the meantime and says, look, for anybody that wants to come, you still have a place to come. For anyone that wants to come, you still have a place to be with me. You still have a place to dine with me. You still have a place to minister to me. You still have a place to worship me, to pray to me and pray with me. Do you see just through the first two Bible uh, chapters of the Bible how the Lord is desiring his people? Pastor Tyler sees it. Praise the Lord. Exodus chapter 40, the glory of God falls in this temple. So I'm skipping ahead as you see. But what happens is they finally get the temple built. God is very specific on what he wants. Um, he has measurements and he has materials and he has artisans and he has all these people that work with excellence on his house. Amen. Um, and then the glory of God falls on the tabernacle of Moses. Let's skip to the next one. Next slide. Praise the Lord. Shabbat. Tabernacle of David, if you're, uh, if, you're, if you're struggling there. All right, while they're getting there, let me, uh, let me just go to it on here. Praise the Lord. 
Okay. So, for the tabernacle of David, when they, there we go, praise the Lord. All right, so, tabernacle of David. So, between, between Exodus and 1 Samuel, uh, we see a lot of things happen, right? We see Moses, he does not make it into the promised land. We see Joshua goes into the promised land with the ark. He has the priest go before the camp with the ark through the river. Come on, somebody. Through the river with the ark on their shoulders, they walk into the camp. They walked into their new place with the presence. This is why we prayed before we came in here. You walk into a new place together with the presence. Somebody said amen. So what happens is they go and they begin to conquer the land. They begin to do all these great things. And at the end of uh, Joshua, once you get into the book of Judges, it says this, that the new people, once Joshua passed away, a new generation came up that did not know the Lord. So something happened between the life and death of Joshua where the, the, the presence of the Lord was no longer prioritized. Ministering to the Lord was no longer prioritized. Being with the Lord was no longer prioritized. And then you see that there's a bunch of judges that go before and they, you're there, you know, there's this cycle. If you ever read Judges, you know there's a cycle of, of the children of Israel acting a fool, <laughs> God raising up somebody, God raising up a prophet, a judge, all these people, and, and them bringing the word of the Lord and establishing the Lord as center again, and then the Lord brings freedom. Um, so this is what happens. We see all that happen. And then in the book of 1 Samuel, uh, we have the story of Samuel. We have the young prophet who ministers to the Lord. His mama drops him off for a year at church. How many of y'all would like to drop your kids off for a year? Praise God. I wish I could drop them off till they're about 15 and can come back and just do all my dishes. Praise the Lord. But um, so what happens is Moses, I mean, uh, Samuel, he's raised up before the Lord. And there's a not wicked, but a compromising priest. Watch this. There's a compromising priest by the name of Eli. Eli had two sons who would basically act evil. They did terrible deeds. They, did, they had sexual immorality in their lives. All these crazy things. So this is what happened. Because the priest of the nation was in compromise, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, the Ark of the Covenant was lost to the enemy. Anytime you live in compromise, you will always lose the presence of the Lord. Some of us are one, oh my God. Some of us are wondering why we haven't heard the Lord. Maybe it's because we've gotten so comfortable in our sin that has built a blockade from hearing the voice of God. This is serious business. We need to look at some of our, we, some of us need to look in. Uh, I know Pastor Gio likes to say, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to me. I'm talking to you. Praise the Lord. Some of, <laughs> some of us need to just look at our lives and say, is there anything blocking me from hearing the voice of the Lord? So, so they lose the Ark of the Covenant. In 1 Samuel chapter 6, the Ark is restored, but it lays dormant for over 20 years. So the presence is there. They get the, they get the ark back. Um, and it's a place called Kish something. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 6. You can go read it for yourself. Uh, but it lays dormant for over 20 years. Uh, fast forward so we know that King Saul comes into the kingdom. And uh, King Saul is the same thing. He's compromising. He has a fear of man. He loses his anointing. David is raised up. This is what happens when David becomes king. In 2 Samuel chapter 6 and 7, uh, the first major thing that David does as king the first big thing that he does is he restores and brings the ark back into the temple, brings it back into the nation, and he establishes it as the center point of who they were. Somebody said amen. amen. David prioritized the presence. I believe this, that David's life of blessing, his lineage from here to Jesus, right, uh, that the beauty of his lineage is in a man. He, this is what the Bible says, that David was a man, what, after God's own what? After God's own heart. This is what happened. In 1 Chronicles 15 and 16, David establishes day and night worship and prayer. So when David comes in with the, temp, uh, with the Ark of the Covenant, his first decision that he makes is, we are going to make the presence of the Lord the center of the nation. 
Watch this. He, we are going to make the presence of the Lord the center of everything that we do as a people. We're going to make it the center. Like before, this is the thing. You got to remember, this is David who hired 4,000 musicians, 288 prophetic singers, and hundreds of Levites to pray and praise and worship before the ark night and day. What was David's job? David was a king, right? David had no business determining what happens with the ark and what happens with the presence. If you know the Bible, you know that was up to the Levites and the priests. David was not a priest. He was a king. This is what I love. I was reading a book and it says this. Saul wanted to be a king instead of a priest. He lost it and became neither. David wanted to be a priest instead of a king and the Lord allowed him to do both. This is what it means. This is what it means. It means this. When you prioritize the presence of God in your life, that he will enable you to do the things he's called you to do. When you prioritize his presence and being with him and praying to him, ministering to him, and making that relationship number one in your life, he will anoint you and give you the grace to do everything you're trying to do with his presence. Somebody said amen. amen. David was a man after God's own heart. And what was in David's heart? He says, man, I'm sitting in this nice castle. Come on, I'm getting fed strawberries and grapes all day. Praise the Lord. And, I, and you're sitting in a tent. And I want to build you a house. This is the thing. The, the thing that was on David's heart was on God's heart. God still wanted a people and a place where he could dwell in and join them in community. So the Lord says, David, you are not going to be the one to build the temple. You've got too much blood on your hands. He's like, well, Lord, you sent me out to do it. It's your fault. Praise the Lord. Um, and so let's go to Solomon's temple. So this is what's amazing. Watch this. In Solomon's temple, um, so long story short, Solomon builds the temple. Praise the Lord. Um, but this is, this is the scary part about building Solomon's temple. If you read the book of 1 Chronicles, David gives Solomon everything that he needs to do to build the temple. The only thing that Solomon had to do was follow the blueprint and follow the instructions. The Bible says that the, um, in 1 Chronicles, it says this, that David gave him instruction as he heard from the Spirit. So David did a great job preparing his son to build the thing that was in his heart. Here's the problem. Because David heard the Spirit of the Lord, Solomon didn't have to. And Solomon built him a place. Oh, my God. Solomon built him a place, and he wanted him to dwell, but he was not hearing from him in the midst of doing it. And this is what happens when you build churches outside of the anointing of the Lord, outside of listening to the Lord, outside of establishing it as a place of prayer first. We've got, a, oh, my goodness, we've got a lot of churches around our, West, our Western nation where it's, it's all about building and let's sit down, let's come up with the plans without hearing from the Lord. David heard from the Lord and he should have taught his son in addition on how to build, how to pray. Come on, somebody. All right, so Solomon builds God's temple. Second Chronicles, that looks a little bit weird. Praise the Lord. I'm going to try to read it anyway. Okay, so this is, the, this is the good thing about Solomon, though. Solomon understood, even though he didn't hear from the Lord, that it was important to establish it as a place of prayer, and that's what the Lord wanted. Second Chronicles uh, 7, verses 12, and then verse 15. Uh, it says this, The Lord appeared to him at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself, as a house of sacrifice. Verse 15. Now my eyes will be, watch this. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. For I have now chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. How many of us know that God is all-knowing? So we know that when the Lord said this, watch this, we know that when the Lord said this, he knew that the temple would eventually be destroyed. 
But he said, I have done this, and my eyes and my heart will be there for all time. We know that the temple has been destroyed. We know that it got destroyed. So why is he saying it will be there for all time? Maybe the Lord is looking at something deeper than just the building he had him create. Maybe the Lord is looking for more than just, the building was amazing. It was great. It was the best building in the world. My Lord, you think we got nice lights. You should have seen the lights there. Praise God. They had nicer cameras than we do. Um, but here's the thing. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Okay. Um, but here's the thing. God wanted more than just the physical location. Right? We look through the scripture and it almost sounds contradictory. Because you see the Lord saying, I want you to build me a place, build me a place, build me a place. But then we also see where he says that, am I, am I a man that I should dwell in buildings like you? I will not accept your offerings. I will not accept your prayers. But a broken and a contrite spirit is what I'll accept. So it's like it's almost contradictory because we've got the Lord saying, I want you to build me a place, but the place isn't enough. 2 Chronicles 8, 14 through 15. This is important. Solomon establishes the temple to operate according to King David's model of day and night worship. So we see what Solomon does is he says, exactly what my father did is what I'm going to do. We're going to establish this place as not just a Sunday only meeting greet, not just a Wednesday pick me up, praise the Lord, not just a Wednesday pick me up, but we're going to establish this thing day and night. Here's the thing. Can we get real? There's only so much you can accomplish as a body on Sundays. There's only so much that we can make happen on Sundays. And the problem is, is that we are so worried about us and us getting tended to and, oh, I need to get fed and all this stuff that all we focus on is us. And we watch this. We become idol worshipers. We become idol worshipers of ourselves, And we look at this temple as being built for us. How do I know? Well, I didn't like the worship, so I'm going to go somewhere where they worship the way I want them to. I don't like the preaching, so I'm going to go to a place where they preach the way I want them to. Let me tell you, I've been to a lot of churches that have got great worship, great word, all this stuff. If there is anything that is important, of course, the word of God and worship and all that stuff is. You've got to be in a healthy place. You've got to be in a healthy culture and a healthy community that will help you grow. It's not just about you being fed. It's about you feeding someone else. It's not about just you being helped. It's about us helping someone else. It's not just about us being served. It's about us serving someone else. So we need to be careful. Listen, we need to be careful that we don't walk into a building, whether it's this church or wherever you go to church, whatever. Uh, we need to be careful that we don't walk into a building with our checklist of all the things we want. Listen, when you've been doing this thing and you've been seeing church in different ways, you learn to appreciate the, I, I'm going on a tangent here. You learn to appreciate the way other people minister. You learn to appreciate the way others worship. Let me be honest with you guys. I grew up in Philadelphia. That's where I'm originally from. And I went to a classic black gospel Baptist costal church where they, the name says Baptist, but they speaking in tongues and they shaking and they, but I remember one, let me not stop. Okay, let me stop. I'm about to start calling people out on crazy stories I saw. Anyway, um, it, what was I talking about? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Um, and I remember growing up and I just did not like it. And I was like, yo, this is boring. Like, what is up with the choir? Like, why are they all in white robes? Why are they singing so high pitched? Like, I had all these different complaints. But when I got actually saved, praise the Lord, and I went back, there was something that gripped my heart, even though the music wasn't my preference. There was something that gripped my heart, even though the word wasn't my preference. Because, you know, Baptists, they will preach for three hours. Praise the Lord. You get out of there at four o'clock, you starving. But you learn that wherever, the, there's different expressions, but it's all to the same God. Yeah. So let me, let's just say this. Can we have the maturity 
If we're in a different location, church, or we're talking to somebody that is of a different denomination or whatever, can we have the maturity to thank God for the, the, the revelation of the Lord that they have to minister and worship and pray the way they do? So David establish, uh, Solomon establishes a temple to operate in the day and night worship that King David did. This was the point of it all. Before we go to the next slide. The point of it all was to release an unceasing sound before the throne of the Lord. An unceasing sound. What does that mean? A sound that does not stop. This was the point of it. The Lord was trying to recreate on earth what he had in heaven. Right? So we talked about Pastor Angel and Pastor Shannon opened up and they talked about before the throne. Right? Even during the worship, they were talking about it. Before the throne, day and night, they say, holy, 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 and they worship the Lord 24-7. You guys have heard me say it a million times. The angels don't take bathroom breaks. They don't have PTO, and they don't take smoke breaks. Come on, somebody. They are around the throne because the closer you get to the Lord, the more you want to worship him. The closer you get to the Lord, the more you want to stay in that place. And so Solomon and David had this revelation that the Lord is going to dwell with us continually as we release a continual sound to him. Can somebody say amen? All right, we're going to go to the next slide. I want to talk about restoring uh, God's house. And we're almost done with this part of the message. Praise the Lord. Um, restoring God's house. So I want to talk to you. Oh, there we go. Praise the Lord. So chronologically speaking, it is believed that the last two books of the Old Testament are Nehemiah and Malachi, both believed to be finished within a few years of each other. Malachi chapter 1, verse 11. If you've heard us in the prayer room, you've heard this verse a lot. And this is what it says. It says, my name will be great among the nations from where the sun rises to where it sets in every place. Look at your neighbor say every place. Look back and say, say one more thing to you. We're going to have problems. Okay. Uh, in every place, incense and a pure offering will be brought to me because my name will be great among the nations. Now, this verse, I find it really upsets people that are very works-based. It upsets the people that are all about, well, what are we doing, though? Like, how can you sit in a prayer room all these hours? Like, what are you doing for the lost? What are you doing for the community? You know what this verse does? It shows us that without prayer, our, our works, they don't mean anything. This verse shows, he says this, he literally says, in every place, incense and pure offering will be brought to me, and my name will be great among the nations. Listen, a key strategy to making his name great is prayer and worship. This is why we sing songs like, this is what you're worthy of. We give you the highest praise. This is why when Pastor Tiffany came up, she said, we're doing more than just singing words. We are declaring it over our hearts, over this body, and over this region. Does anybody believe that stuff actually works? This stuff actually works. I'm going to talk about, talk about that some more in a second. Okay. Uh, God concludes the Old Testament narrative, and he's saying two things to us. Through the book of Malachi and through the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to rebuild my house again, right? So we know the, we know the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to rebuild the walls, okay? I'm going to rebuild my house, and there will be a pure worship and prayer that will come out of it. Now, I want to say something very quickly. This is a whole message in itself. In Nehemiah... Uh, chapter 13 it says this that as they are cleansing the temple they're building the walls they're rebuilding the temple all these things um, as they are cleansing the temple it says that there was a room where they would have grain oil wine offerings and sacrifices and in this room there was a man named Tobias or something like that praise the Lord is that it Tobias <laughs> um, and Tobias he was he was a wicked man from the world he did not love the Lord. He did not serve the Lord. He was a wicked man of the world. And what happened is they realized in order to make this a present center community, we've got to get the world out of the place of worship. 
So what's important for us to understand as a New Testament church is that I'm not talking about lights and cameras and all that stuff. I'm talking about our heart is that when we build a place for the Lord, when we gather for the Lord, we have got to make sure that we are clean of all the things of worldly worship and worldly idolatry and worldly theologies and understandings and plans and say we're going to hold the place of worship as the place of worship and we're not letting the world into our worship. Does that make sense? Um, let's, let's go to the next slide. We're going to get to the New Testament. I'm almost done with this part of the message. Praise the Lord. Jesus. Hey. Shabbat. Jesus, um, if there's one part that I love about the scriptures, it's these, two ver- it's these two chapters right here. Jesus starts and he concludes his ministry by doing the same thing. So as Jesus, but, but when Jesus like, came out, came out, if people started to really hear his name, he started by going into the temple and cleansing it of the money cleaners. I mean, the, the money cleaners, praise the Lord. <laughs> the money changers. Um, he did this at the beginning of his ministry in John chapter 2. He did it at the end of his ministry at Matthew chapter 1. Before he goes to down across, before all that amazing, terrible, beautiful stuff. And he quotes the most famous words of Isaiah that we use when we talk about prayer. My house shall be called the house of prayer. Jesus enters into the temple. And he cleanses it of the people that were in it for themselves. Come on, we need to hear this this morning. Jesus walks into the temple and he cleanses it of the people that were there for themselves. He, he, he grabs the cage and he releases the dove. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that I'm going to clean, I want to cleanse my church now and forever of the selfish motives of self and what can I get out of it and what can I profit from being here and making it a house of prayer again. This was, this, what does the Bible say? That he, he roped together a whip and he started driving them out like violently. Some of y'all think Jesus is this cute European that got these nice, this nice cute long hair. Jesus was violent sometimes. Come on, somebody. But Jesus, I believe this, that one of the, this is one of the most passionate places that we see Jesus. This is one of the most passionate moments in Jesus' life and ministry is when he is declaring that my father's house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Somebody said amen. amen. All right, uh, let's go to, I think it's, what's the next one? I think it's Act, the birth of the church. Praise the Lord. All right, so Jesus, he declares that my house will be called a house of prayer. Jesus, he dies, he rises again, he meets with his disciples, he rebukes them for their unbelief. Uh, that's Mark. And then he says this in, in, in Luke chapter 24. Don't go anywhere. Don't start any ministries. Don't start writing down your plans. Don't start determining what you want to do with your life. Don't make, don't make any sudden movements. Wait for the Holy Spirit to fall upon you before you do anything. Wait until you hear the Holy Spirit before you do anything. So in Acts chapter 1, with one accord, they all continued in prayer. This is after Jesus, he rises again, and the angels say, bro, what are you looking at? Like, he's gone, but he's going to come back the same way that he, was, uh, that he just left. With one accord, they all continued in prayer, along with the women of, uh, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So this is what we see happen. We see a 10-day cycle of a people that gathered in a room, right? They gathered in a room together. This is after Jesus also said in the book of John that I'm going to tear the temple down and raise it up again. 
Why did Jesus say that? Because he was talking about himself. He was talking about his body being a temple. And through Jesus is how we approach the Father. But he said, I want you to gather in one place. So they gather in one place and they continue in prayer. And we listen, we love the Acts chapter 2 verse 1. We love that on the day of Pentecost, they were all together. Fire came down and all this stuff. We don't like the Acts 114 as much. They continued in prayer until God moved. I believe this, that America would see revival if churches would pray until God moved. I believe that America would see revival if we had more prayer meetings and less board meetings. Come on. And I'm not talking about board meetings being bad. I'm saying a people that are gathered in prayer and making that the sole focus of what they're doing. So we see this, that the people are in one place. They're in the upper room. They are gathered physically in a location, believing that the Lord is going to do something. This is the pattern. This is a pattern of the birth of the early church. They were not the church until they had the Holy Spirit on them in power, in dunamis power. Look at your neighbor say dunamis power. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all in one accord in one place. Acts chapter 1, with one one accord, they continue in prayer. What does this word accord mean? Agreement and unity. Agreement and unity. This is why when we pray on Wednesdays and Tuesdays, you'll hear Pastor Gio often say, come on, we need agreement. We need agreement in the room. We need, why? Because when there's a united sound, what does the Bible say? Where there's unity, God commands his blessing. When we are in agreement with one purpose, one desire for the Father to dwell with his people, God cannot, listen, God cannot deny a unified people. God cannot deny a unified people. And so what we see is that as they prayed, as they ministered to the Lord day and night, and said, I'm not going anywhere until you do something, Lord. The Lord did something. And from that place, from the place of day and night worship, continuing, contending, praying and travailing until they prevailed, the Lord began to move. This is what it looks like for the church to have power. Wow, it got quiet there. This is what it looks like for the church to have power. Not running around laying hands for five seconds. You don't see them healed, so you move on to the next person and lie and say they got healed anyway. Not doing that. Not going around prophet hopping, bishop bouncing, and conference hopping. Looking for the next person to lay hands on you to get a prophetic word because you can't hear from the Lord for yourself. My Lord and my God. But a people that will gather around and say, without the presence of the Lord, we have nothing to offer to the world. Without the presence of the Lord, we have. there's no need for you to go try to feed the poor because you got a nasty spirit if you're not in prayer and devotion this is why it says that after peter preaches and three thousand people get saved in acts 242 they devoted themselves to the apostles teachings to fellowship to breaking bread and to prayer they devoted themselves to prayer and what does the bible say after that god continued to increase them go to the next slide what is a house of prayer i'm gonna give you a simple definition god's house a spiritual people who gather in physical locations to minister to the Lord in prayer and worship. Watch this. Producing to fruits of love and labor. What is the house of prayer? It is a spiritual people gathered in a physical location, ministering to the Lord, worshiping him, praying to him, and praying with him. And from that place, the Lord produces fruit of love in us, love for him, love for each other. And from that place, the Lord gives us the power to do what we could not do without him. Does that make sense? Praise the Lord. Can we give God a praise? I got through all those daggone slides. First Peter 2.5, and you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. 
What's more, you are his holy priest. So we talked about in the beginning, we talked about how he wanted the entire kingdom to be priests, but they wouldn't come before him. So he had to set up an entire tribe to say, well, let me make this your job because nobody else wants to do it. And now he said, I have filled all of you with the presence, with my power, with my spirit. And every single one of you will become his priest, will become his kingdom, will become the people that can walk before the Lord, knowing you have direct access. Come on, somebody. And say, Lord I want to be with you I want to speak to you I want to move like you and I want to move with you what more you are as holy priest through the mediation of Jesus Christ you offer spiritual sacrifices that pleases God somebody look at your neighbor and say that's me my God we got to wake up somebody say that's me that's me the Lord is calling us to be a house of prayer the New Testament church is called to be a people of prayer building him a house of prayer it's not just about the building but it is about the building it's about the people it's about the people full of his Holy Spirit listen I don't care if we got a building that's 10 acres wide that's how you know I don't build stuff I'm talking about acres when I'm talking about houses praise the Lord I don't care how big or small the building is I don't care if you're meeting in a living room wherever the children of God are gathered ministering to the Lord it is a house of prayer come on your car is a house of prayer some of y'all need to grab your wife when you're arguing in the car and say this car is not a house of an argument it's not a house of division my car will be a house of prayer come on my living room will be a house of prayer and not a house of gossip anymore when I start to speak death over somebody I want to look and I'm going to say you know what I'm going to pray for them instead of talk about them I want to turn my living room into a house of prayer we got to look at ourselves and say am I the house of prayer that the Lord wants come on am I the house of prayer that the Lord wants because he's put his spirit in us I got to move this praise the Lord come on He's put his spirit in us. He's living with us. He's dwelling in us, giving us the love and the grace and the power to minister to him. We've got to ask ourselves, if I'm really saved, then it should look like something. Remember I said prayer is relationship. If some of y'all, I'm trying to be nice. If some of us talk to God the way we talk to our spouses, they would have left years ago. If some of us talk to our spouse once a week for an hour and a half and it said, bless me, bless me, come on, girl, there would be a problem. Prayer is relationship. If I'm laying next to my wife every day, sitting in the same house with my wife every day, going to the store with her every day, and we don't talk, there's clearly a problem in the relationship. And this is what I've come to realize is that when there is, a, when there is a divide or a break in communication with me and the Lord, it is usually never, no, it is never the Lord's fault. Come on. It's never the Lord's fault. He's always speaking. He's always moving. He's always directing his people to come in and come closer. This is what I've realized, though. When it comes to us being a house of prayer, what that looks like is not just that us, we pray when we feel like it, but it looks like answering every call and unction to be with the Father. This is what I mean, and some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You ever been going, getting ready to go to sleep, and it's like, you, it's like 1030, it's your bedtime, you're supposed to be, but you're scrolling through Facebook. Nothing gives you more motivation to go to sleep than God calling you to get out of bed. Because you'll be scrolling through Facebook, you'll be talking about people, and then the Lord will say, put that phone down and be with me. You're like, oh, I'm tired, I got to go to bed, I got to work in the morning. Right? And the Lord calls you to be with them, and you've got a meeting in 30 minutes. Or you've got a birthday party to go to. Or you've got, some, you've got some practical things you need to take care of. 
praise the Lord. We've got responsibilities. I'm not downing responsibilities. But what I've realized is this, is that in order for me, there are some things, let me, let me, let me rephrase that. There's, there's pretty much nothing I will not interrupt to talk, to talk to my wife. If my wife calls me when I'm in the middle of a meeting, brother, you're going to have to hold up. And if I ignore her, she's going to text me and say, I know you saw my call, boy. <laughs> but when I see, listen, when I see her call, I know I need to get with her soon. We need to talk soon. She's calling me. She's drawing me. She wants to speak with me. There's something she wants to release to me that I need to know. This is what the Father is doing in this hour. He is drawing his people, and he's saying, I'm not trying to talk to just your pastor. I'm trying to talk to you. I'm not just trying to talk to your favorite Facebook prophet that you get on and you type 30 times so they'll see you and they'll give you a prophetic word that's not true. I'm not talking about your favorite YouTube worship team that you play 30 times but you don't actually worship by yourself. I'm talking about the Lord calling you in and saying forget the music, forget the hype, forget the microphone. I want to speak with you in the secret place and what I do in you in secret the world will see in public. He is calling his people to be a private people that operate in public power. And he's saying, will you build me a house within yourself? Here's the thing about a house. What makes a house? It's not the TV. It's not the murals. It's not the clothes. It's the people. The house of prayer is built by a people of prayer. The house of prayer is built by a praying people. This is what I mean. We can't say we're a house of prayer if we don't pray. Individually and corporately. This is not an indictment. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord said what? Whose house will be called a house of prayer? His house will be called a house of prayer. You know what that means? That means that we don't get to decide what kind of house it is. If we want to, if we, listen, there are a lot of houses built for a lot of things. We all know this, right? There's churches that, oh, we're all about evangelism. Praise the Lord, we need to evangelize. We're all about worship. Praise the Lord, we need to worship. We're all about the word. Praise the Lord, we need the word. But the Lord said it. We don't, I, you ain't got to debate with me. If you get mad at me, send it to MarcusWindowDoesNotCare at gmail.com. The Bible says, my house, the Lord's house, will be called a house of prayer. So when the, when the world looks at us, what do they determine we are a house of? Is that actually true, though? That's what they should say. But is it actually true in our region, in this house? If somebody said, have you heard of Abide? Yeah, that, that, they're that church that what? That's what we want. We want, this is just an Abide thing. This is the Lord's house. It's his house. I like to say it like this. His house, his rules. His house, his rules. There's some things that I could not do in my mom's house. And when I would say, but why? I said, but it's my house. When you get your own house, you can be all dirty and you can throw pizza rolls under the bed when I come in because you don't want me to catch you eating because you know you want to get whooped. Like, you can do whatever you want when you have your own house. But in my house, this is the way we operate. This is the way we move. And the Lord is saying, if you want to call yourself my house, you've got to do it my way. And so we have to ask ourselves, when it comes to the church, come on, I've got a burden for more. I love, this is my house. This is, my, this is my church. I was preaching somewhere last week, and on the way there, I was like, I cannot wait to get back to abide. Come on, somebody. This is my house. But what I've come to realize is this, is that I've got to look at the, the, not just what I'm doing, what we're doing, but what the Lord is doing regionally and globally and saying, what kind of house are we building? What kind of house? Here's the thing about a foundation. That's what the house of prayer is. It's the foundation to the labors and the love and everything that we do. When you don't have your foundation as a house of prayer and you have it as anything else, you are basically saying, Lord, I don't need you to do this. I got it. 
So I want you to equate this to this church and your own personal life. If your foundation is not built on being with the Lord in relationship, you're telling the Lord, I can do this by myself. And watch this. Anything that you start by yourself, you have to sustain by yourself. What is the, what is the book of Galatians says? Like you started well. Who turns you away and you're trying to do things in the flesh that were birthed in the spirit? The Lord births his church in the spirit. We read it. They continued in prayer until the Lord moved. They continued in prayer until the Lord spoke. And he's saying, listen, you started that way, but what happened? Some of us got saved and we were on fire. What happened? Some of us got saved and we would pray for hours a day. What happened? Some of us got saved and all we would listen to was worship music. What happened? Some of us got saved and we couldn't, you, couldn't, you couldn't call me past a certain point because I was with the Father and I'm not interrupting my time with him for you. What happened? Yeah. Pastor Tyler says it like this. He's never seen a lukewarm new believer. He's never seen a lukewarm new convert. You ever see a new, you ever see a new believer before? Like they want to serve in every ministry. They're going to be at the prayer room early. They're staying late. They're weeping at the altar. They're shouting and dancing. And you're sitting there with your religious self. Why are they so loud? If they hit me one more time, I'm going to hit them back. Like we get all judgmental of their worship. Watch this because they have something we lost years ago. And we've got to look and we've got to say, I, I, listen, I've made a declaration and this is proven true. I am going to out-worship the old Marcus. I'm going to out-pray the new convert Marcus. I'm going to out-worship. I'm going to outlive. I'm going to outdo the new convert Marcus. And I'm going to put him to shame because I'm growing closer to the Lord day by day. I'm going from glory to glory day by day. I'm going from strength to strength and faith to faith every single day. If you're not going forward in the kingdom, you're going backwards. The Lord is drawing us. Listen, the Lord never stops drawing us. He never says, all right, you're good there. We can talk from there. Oh, the Lord does not social distance with us. Come on. The Lord does a social distance with us. Say, hey, you're good there. Give me my six feet so that you don't get anything on me. The Lord says, come closer so I can get something on you. <sighs> my God. Jesus. Jesus is drawing us today. He's drawing us into relationship. He's drawing us into a place where we hear his voice again. Some of us haven't heard the voice of the Lord in years. Some of us have watched it. Some of us have heard the voice of the Lord every day and we've gotten comfortable with him. And we treat it as common and we treat it as normal. And watch this. You know what, hap you know what happens when you get familiar with somebody? You don't take them serious anymore. And when the Lord used to tell you something... Hey, go pray for that, that person over there. Oh, I got you, Lord. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then the Lord said, hey, go pray for some person, that person over there. Oh, well, Lord, we have a prayer staff for that. Oh, Lord, we have the altar ministry for that. Hey, I want you to bless this person. Oh, I got you, Lord. Oh, oh I, ain't got, I ain't got no money today. I ain't got this today. Like we come up, we get familiar with the Lord, and we, go, we distance ourselves from him because we used to take him at his word, but now we don't anymore, and we're too comfortable with him to actually listen to him. And the Lord is looking to grow us. How do you grow with the Lord? You grow with obedience. Yeah, spiritual maturity isn't about years in the ministry. It's about years of obedience. I have seen 50, 60, 70-year-olds that are babes in the faith because they will not obey God. I have seen people in, their, in, the, in the faith for six months that know their word better than people that have been preaching for years. It's a matter of growth and obedience. And the Lord is saying to each and every one of us, Kingdom of priests, will you come before me? Kingdom of priests, will you dine with me? 
kingdom of priests, can I dwell with you? He's put his holy. Listen, if the Holy Spirit, isn't this crazy? The Bible says the Holy Spirit dwells within us. The power of the Lord, the power of God is in me. And it isn't every single one of us in this room. Why are we not seeing, why are we not seeing the most amazing things happening around us? Because this is what happens when we don't dine with the Lord and when we, don't, when we don't obey him and when we don't grow with him. We do what the money changers do. And in our hearts, we close the cage on the dove. We close the cage on the dove. And he's looking to let go and be free. This is what freedom looks like. What did Exodus 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 say? It says this, let my people be free so they can worship me. The Lord is calling his people to be a house of prayer. He's calling us to step into deeper relationship. I don't care if you've been serving the Lord for 80 years or eight minutes. The Lord is calling us deeper. He's calling us to make himself our foundation again. He's calling us to hear his voice again. He's calling us to sit with him and be with him and be okay with just him again. Come on, let me just say these final things before we finish up. The Lord is looking for a people that will be okay with just him again. Because this is what happens. When we get saved... It's, oh, we just want to sit with the Lord all day, and we're hearing things, and we're saying the most crazy stuff, and, oh, I heard the Lord say that nine cats mean nine lives, and God is about to resurrect nine people. Like, you just be going for it when you're first saved. But then over time, it's like, what, what happened? What happened? When did you stop living by faith? When did you stop living by the word of the Lord in your life? When did you stop living with hours in the prayer room? You know what sitting in the prayer room does, whether the secret place or in here? It, conf- oh, it confronts your lack of desire for him. Because this is what the Lord has sit you down in a chair. I should have got a chair for this. But I didn't know I was going to say it. Praise God. The Lord has sit you in a chair. And he'll, say, he'll say stuff like this. He won't, he won't beat you up. He won't say, man, you used to be on fire. Now you stink. He'll look at you and he'll say, I missed this. I miss being with you. Why has it been so long? Am I enough for you? You ever had the Lord hit you with that? Am I really enough for you? And then you say, yeah, and then you realize, well, God hasn't given me my promise in five years, so I only pray five times a year. The Lord confronts us, but he does it in such a beautiful way. You ever have your parents sit you down and they say something like, you're better than that. And it just stabs you in the heart because you're like, yo, I am better than that. And I hurt you. And you want better for me. You want better in me. So what the Lord is doing is he's calling us to sit down and be confronted with our lack of desire for him. Until he breaks it off of us and we fall in love with him again. Until he breaks it off of us and we fall in love with him again. This isn't about shaka said This isn't about shakababing for three hours a day, and if you don't, the Lord doesn't love you. I shakababa with the best of them. But I've learned there's something about sitting before the Lord with no agenda that will break things off of you and draw you closer to him. Where you sit down with the Lord and you say, Lord, what do you want to talk about today? Come on, what do you want to talk about? Have you ever sat down and asked the Lord what he wants to talk about? Come on, we're talking about building ourselves up as a house of prayer. If it's his house and I sit down, what do you want to do? I don't get to come in his house and make the rules and, and, and then set the agenda. I sit down before the Lord and what do you want to talk about today? What do you want? What's on your heart, Lord? What's on your mind? 
This is why intercession is so important and it's so beautiful. It's because intercession isn't yelling loud and saying random Bible verses that we don't understand. You know what intercession is? It's that place where Jesus said, I want you to come in the garden with me. I'm troubled in soul. I'm troubled in spirit. I need you to watch and pray with me. And he invites them into his most vulnerable moment. And this is what he was hoping for. He was hoping that as they saw what Jesus saw, they would feel the way he felt so they would pray the way he prayed. That's what intercession is, when he draws you into himself so that you feel what he feels and you pray the way he prays. Before you pray for the lost, ask him to show you how, how he feels about the lost. Right? Before, before you pray for that family member, which you should, ask the Lord, how do you feel about them? And watch him show you exactly how he feels. And watch, watch the, 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 the tears, the dam in our eye ducts begin to break and we start to cry again for people that aren't with the Lord. This is what it means. This is what it means to be a house of prayers. When you, when you get into further relationship, if we can get somebody on the keys, I'm just about done. Um, when, you get, when you get into this part of a relationship, there's certain things that the, that the person close to you begins to share that they wouldn't share before. And some of us are dry in our spirit because we haven't allowed ourselves to grow closer to him so he can speak his secrets to us. Did you know the Lord has secrets? He has secrets that he wants to share with us. He has things he wants to reveal to us. But here's the thing. The Lord loves everybody, but he does not trust everybody. The Lord loves everybody, but he does not trust everybody. And he's looking to build us up into a beautiful, devoted, dedicated, holy, set-apart, dependable people that will pray his desires. What did Jesus say? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Come on, that's, that's, that's prayer right there. That's intercession saying, Jesus, the, the same thing you want is what I want. And I'm bringing myself into alignment with your heart and with your desires. But it starts with me. Come on, stand to your feet. It stands with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. So this is what I want to do. I want to pray for us, and I want to talk about a couple of practicals. Actually, I'm going to talk about the practicals first, and then we're going to pray. And then uh, Pastor Tiffany and the, and the prayer team is going to come up. I want to talk practically about what this looks like. Even just in our house. So if you don't know about our house of prayer, we uh, right now we have two prayer sets. And of course, we're looking to build more. On Tuesday mornings, we have, we have our devotion set and we have what we call praying with the word. It's where we center ourselves. We center ourselves around a common theme of God's nature. And we just go on a journey of believing that he will reveal that to us and reveal it in our region. On Wednesdays, if you've been in the, the Tuesdays and Wednesdays, if you haven't been both, there, <laughs> it's different worlds. But what happens on Wednesdays is this. We come before the Lord with a Psalm 100 heart. We come before him with thanksgiving and praise. Right? The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. There's a cool thing about entering in. What happened when you got into the Holy of Holies? It's when you would worship and you would lift up prayer and incense. So what we do on Wednesday is we come before the Lord with thanksgiving. We believe that you don't come before God empty-handed. Right? When you step into the room with the king, you come with something. And so we come with praise and we come with thanksgiving. And then we spend time worshiping and just centering ourselves around God's nature. Him being holy. Him being loving. Him being righteous. Him being just. And then from that place is where things are a little bit crazy sometimes. It gets a little bit loud sometimes. And what we do is, what the Lord is speaking to us in that moment of worship, we begin to pray that he will do it not just in this room, but out there. And so sometimes it gets a little bit uncomfortable. Because we'll spend 20 minutes 
with simple phrases of, Lord, do it out there. Lord, move in our region. Do this, do that. And I know it gets uncomfortable because I've had people ask, like, y'all pray for the same stuff all the time. You know what my response is? So did everybody in the Bible until it happened. So did everybody in revival history until it happened. Maybe, listen, this is just a personal thing. Maybe there's some things in our life we haven't seen come to happen because we prayed once and then forgot about it. Like, can we be honest about it? This shirt I'm wearing, William J. Seymour, who started the Azusa Street Revival. It didn't start with revival. It started in a prayer room. The Welsh Revival, it started in a prayer room. Moravian Revival, it started in a prayer room. Through history, the Lord has always moved on the people that will separate and consecrate themselves to prayer. So with that said, if you are interested in joining a prayer set um, as a musician, a singer, or an intercessor, you can come talk to myself, or you can email us at theprayerroomtampa at gmail.com. Um, also, if you have prayer requests, um, we would like for you to email us. There's a, there's a slide for uh, prayer requests as well. If you have prayer requests, we would love to pray for you. We have a, a prayer team that dedicates themselves to praying for our church and our body and different things. So we would love for you to send those to AbidePrayerRequest.com. Um, if you are one of our people that pray for our incoming text messages, we thank you so much. And if you are interested, uh, Miss Betty, where you at? Can you wave your hand? There you go. If you are interested in joining us um, and praying for you, if you say, I will never touch a microphone, but I would love to pray for my church, uh, see Miss Betty or you can email that and we'll, we'll get you um, a communication as well last two things i know these are practical but guys we got to build something here amen uh, when you come into the prayer room starting this week we're going to have some resources for you number one uh, we're going to have a card if you have prayer requests and you can write those down you don't have to email it you can just write them down if you'd like to do that number two if you're in the prayer room have you ever been you ain't got to raise your hand have you ever been in the prayer room like yo what should i do what should i pray for uh, we have this card. It's our prayer pillars. We have nine prayer pillars that we believe are central to a house of prayer. I'm not going to go into the details on that, but you will find that in our prayer room from now on. Now, this last thing, again, if you say, I love the prayer, but I'm uncomfortable and I don't know what to do, we have some resources of exactly how do I engage in a different prayer sense? Like, what do I do in intercession? What do I do when it's just quiet? We have that resource for you as well. That will be available in our prayer room from now on. And lastly, I want to say this. Practically speaking, I feel like the Lord is inviting all of us into a greater level of prayer in our lives. So as we not just only prepare for the conference, but we prepare for what the Lord is going to do in us in the future. I feel like the Lord is saying, and this is a super prophetic revelation, yes, I feel him, to set aside a consistent time every day to be with him and don't miss it for anything. Whether it's five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, say, Lord, I'm going to get with you every day before work or after work. You find that time that's comfortable for you and you don't miss it for the world. And you sit there and you allow the Lord to minister to you and speak to you. Can we agree to that? Can we just lift up our hands? I just want to pray over us before Pastor Tiffany comes up. Father, you are building a people. You are building a house. And you're taking us back to your word. And you're saying, I want my people to be a house of prayer again. I want my people to be a people of prayer again. You're drawing us back into the secret place. And you're longing to speak with us. You're drawing us back into the secret place. And you're longing to reveal great things and beautiful things to us. Lord, you have good things in store for your